So Paul says in Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A more literal translation would be, we should redeem the time. But no one is quite sure what that means. A literal translation is that we should buy time. But we use that phrase of trying to stall for time in a difficult situation, and that doesn't quite fit the context here. And people have wondered who we should redeem time from. The devil? Evil men? Depravity? Or simply should we redeem time from loss or misuse? It's an obscure phrase, and the NIV's translation of make the most of every opportunity nails its meaning down quite specifically, but whether it's the best translation is another matter. Whatever we're told to do with time, we're told to do it because the days are evil. And again, people debate what is meant by evil days. Is Paul referring to natural disasters like earthquakes, famines, floods? Or is he talking about fires, economic collapse or war? Is he talking about Christians being harassed or persecuted? Is the church under threat from heresy? Or is Paul talking about the moral decadence of society? Are these days evil because they are godless? I suspect that each of these descriptions of evil will resonate with different people. Each of us will think, well, yeah, I can make sense of that. And we'll interpret the phrase in the light of whatever it is that's giving us a tough time at the moment. There's nothing wrong with that. The nature of elusive language is that invites us to make sense of it in a way that's relevant to our situation. So as the person who has the privilege of preaching on the passage, how am I going to make sense of it? What am I going to do with it? Well, when I'm preparing a sermon, I sit down, read the passage, usually read a commentary on the passage, pray, you'll be glad to hear that I pray, and then wonder... How is this going to relate to this particular congregation at this particular time? Are the days evil in Brighton Road at the moment? Well, that's a bit, that's a bit melodramatic, really. But what about bad days? Well, we all get bad days from time to time. I certainly do. There are days when my family know the safest thing to do is simply to keep a safe distance for a while. And when I was looking up references to having a bad day, I liked the one that said, on a bad day... I remind myself that I've had bad days before, and so far I've survived every single one of them. That's a 100% success rate. So supposing I look at this passage with you along the lines of thinking about how do we avoid or survive having a bad day? Read this way, there are some practical gems in the passage, but I won't pretend that I have all the answers, simply because I won't say if you follow these seven principles, you'll never have a bad day, because that's rubbish. And looking at websites devoted to this topic, there are some that have as many as 26 things you should do to avoid bad days, and that would be a really long sermon. And anyway, my job is not to share with you the infinite wisdom of the World Wide Web, but rather to expound Holy Scripture in such a way that hopefully we can apply it to our lives. So here are seven things to bear in mind when you're facing or when you'll find yourself having one of those bad days. And the first thing for the passage is simply, don't be stupid. Or as Paul puts it more prosaically, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You know, sometimes we have bad days just because we make really stupid decisions. You know, people say, I can't understand why this is happening to me. I'm thinking, well, I can, 
can't, can't you see the steps that have led to this point in time? Sometimes it's like we put our brain on hold and we say and do things we know aren't going to be good for us, but human nature being what it is, we go ahead and do them anyway. Why do we do that? Does God make stupid people? I wonder, but I don't think he does, actually. I believe he creates us all with the capacity for wisdom. The question is whether we use it or not. So people are not innately stupid, whatever other people may say about them. But we can grow up thinking we're stupid if other people say we are. Just to make the point that there is some good wisdom on the internet, Einstein is credited with saying this, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. So if you are a fish and you're spending your whole day trying to climb a tree, you are going to have a bad day. Don't spend your day being a different person to the, God, the person God made you to be. Don't spend your day trying to meet other people's unreasonable expectations of you. Be sensible. Get to know yourself. Be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. Play to your strengths. Find other people to work with you on those areas where you're weak. A wise person knows their limitations and will know just how far they can push the edge of the envelope. Be careful how you walk. Not as someone who is unwise, but as someone who is wise. Don't be stupid. Number two is this injunction to redeem the time. Time is a precious commodity. Once it's been spent, we never get those moments back again. So use time wisely. That doesn't mean we have to spend every waking moment of every day being busy, despite the pressures of life on us to do so these days. Those who campaigned for eight-hour working days in the 19th century did so because they knew that 14, working 14 to 16-hour days, six days a week, was just exhausting people. Amen. God instituted the principle of having a day of rest because he knew that we need to have a bit of downtime to recharge our batteries. When God made us, he did not make us for maximum efficiency. We are people, not machines. And we function best with adequate time for sleep, food, relaxation and leisure. So plan your days, plan your weeks, and build those times in. Because if you don't, there's a danger that you simply just become too tired and run out of steam. And then you become too tired to use your time sensibly. And because you're exhausted, you end up wasting time in ways that don't do any good. You browse online at all hours of the night. You channel hot until late at night on TV. You escape into habits you find addictive. You avoid reality by daydreaming in your own fantasy world. And we do these things because we're too exhausted to use our time effectively. It's a limited commodity, so plan how to use it wisely. Program in, work, time to relax with the people you love, sleep, food, leisure, and don't forget time for God either. Time to read the Bible, pray, wait on God, make it to church, renew your spiritual resources, redeem the time. It's like shopping on a budget. You've got limited resources, so spend them wisely. Don't waste them. 
Number three, again, don't be stupid, comes back to that again, but this time, understand what God's will is. Elsewhere, Paul says we should not conform to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can discern what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. What is God's plan for you at this point in time, in the short-term and long-term future? There is always scope for praying, Lord, help me live this day for you under your guidance and direction college when I found myself really floundering with work actually just praying that prayer made a huge difference to my ability to cope with each day and it's a matter of being aware not just of what God wants you to do but of how he wants you to do it because how we live our daily lives can be an act of worship in the office at school college factory down the gym in the shops at home as well as here in church and when we find ourselves floundering just to pray Lord Govern my day. Take charge of what happens. Govern how I respond to it. When I can't see the way ahead, be my navigator and my guide. Rule in my mind, in my heart. Be my help. Be my shield. Ask for spiritual directions. If you're driving in an unfamiliar place without a sat-nav... There may be times when you have to stop and check the map and see where you are and where you're going. There may be times, if you're not a man, where you have to stop and ask directions from somebody else. So often we don't stop and ask God for directions, we just carry blindly on. Stop. Pull over. Be still. Lord, am I going in the right direction here? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Show me. And if there's no answer, you just carry on the way you were going, but cautiously. But you've asked. You've listened. If God had something to say, you've given him the opportunity to say it. God wants you to change direction. It's down to him to let you know. But you've asked. Discern what the Lord's will is. Number four. Have you heard of the gin and tonic diet? Works like a dream. You can lose two or three days in no time at all. On bad days, resist the temptation to hit the bottle. Having a drink might make it appear as if everything is better, but it's only an illusion, and afterwards you will be far less able to cope with the harsh glare of reality. If drinking starts to be your way of coping you are on the road to losing control of your life to something that has the capacity to destroy you. Having a drink is a bad remedy for a bad day. So Paul says, don't get drunk with wine. Instead, number five, be filled with the Spirit. Actually, a better translation would be, be full of the Spirit of God. Allow the Spirit of God to permeate your life, filling your heart and mind with the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, in this situation, give me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're good resources for a bad day. 
Remember that the kind of person that you are is more important than what you do. Sometimes we can look at ourselves and not like the kind of person we see in the mirror. We see nothing of value, nothing worth loving. But what we're seeing then is not a reflection of reality, but a reflection of our own poor self-esteem. Paul says in Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a lot of value in that saying. It means that you are not worthless. Because Christ loved you enough to lay his life down for you and he invites you to trust him. And if you don't like the person that you are, then you can say, Lord, empty me of that person. Empty me of myself and fill me instead with your spirit, with your presence, with who you are. Because as God fills you with his spirit, that makes your life more and more about him and less and less about you. And that also is a source of strength on a bad day. Remember, however bad the day, he's with you. And whatever else might be going on around you, in here, as you let God fill you with his spirit, Jesus is Lord. So be full of the spirit of God. Number six, sing a song, or a psalm, or a hymn. Make music in your heart to God. If you can't sing like Anita, then make sure you only sing in the shower when nobody else is at home. Or just listen to some really good Christian music. Or let the words of those hymns that you've known for decades run through your mind. But let the music of praise lift your heart and mind to the God who made this day that is going so badly. And to the God who holds tomorrow in his hands. To the God who's promised that he will never leave you, forsake you, or fail you. When your own words fail and your thoughts are stuck in a rut, allow the words of choruses or hymns to take your mind in a different direction. It might be a bad day, but you still worship and belong to a good God. We all get good days and bad days, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And worshipping him that does have the capacity to change our perspective on things. And lastly, give thanks to God the Father for everything. (laughs) Well, that is easier said than done, is it not? Thanking God for everything. But I do remember that passage from Corrie ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, and if you've not read it, it's well worth a read, the book. That time when she and her sister are transferred to new barracks, which are awful, um, place is rancid, the bedding is filthy, the place stinks. Uh, there aren't individual beds, there are simply great square tiers stacked three high, wedged side by side, and they kind of quite get their heads around this, this awful place they've been assigned to, and to cap it all, they find the place is, is crawling with fleas. How could they possibly cope? And Corrie Ten Boom's sister says it's there was something you read in the Bible earlier today. What did it say? And they turn back to First Thessalonians, which says, Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And Corrie Ten Boom's sister Betsy says, That's what we've got to do. We've got to thank God for this place. What? What is there to thank God for about this place? And Betsy says, Well, we're, we're here together, aren't we? Okay, yes. And you've got your Bible, haven't you? 
Okay, yes. And there's going to be lots of people here who are going to listen to the Bible as we read it together. Okay, yes. And we're going to thank God for the fleas as well. No. I don't think we're going to do that. But as the, as the days go by and the women come back from their exhausting hard labour, they have not just one service a day when the Bible is read and there are prayers, but two services a day because it means so much to the women in that place. And they can't understand how they get away with it because normally there are guards supervising and monitoring everything they do until one time Betsy says, I know why we've had so much freedom here, she says. We asked the supervisor to come in and sort out a debate about socks, what size socks we should be knitting, and she refused to come in. She refused to come in because of the fleas, she said. We've had the freedom to worship here and read the Bible and pray and draw such strength from it because of the fleas. Give thanks for everything. Give thanks in all circumstances. On a bad day, look for something you can thank God for. Because God has promised that in everything, he will be at work for the good of those who loved him, who are called according to his purposes. Lord, show me something today that I can thank you for. Something positive, so that it's not all just black. It's part small way in which we can work towards not being overcome by evil, but instead overcoming evil with good and with God. So to sum up, don't be stupid. Redeem the time. Find and follow God's will. Don't get drunk. Be full of the Spirit. Sing to the Lord with all of your heart. And give him thanks. It's Paul's sevenfold remedy for a bad day. And remember that since prevention is always better than cure, these are good principles to follow every day that God gives us to live for him.